Hey everybody, time for another Code Pen Radio 329. We're going to call this one Gathering Data. Uh, I have Marie with me, who's 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 lead data gatherer. Hey everybody. Titles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and quite literally too. You know, you spend a lot of your day and time lately um, just kind of making sure we we have data and we look at data and we're presenting that data in interesting ways and attempting to the best of our ability to make decisions based on data and and, and stuff. Right. I mean, I guess that's oh, yeah. the that's that's the heart of it. Any app should be doing this. I would think on par. We're on par <laughs> as far as data <laughs> gathering. I don't think we um, not to. I don't mean to say this in a disparaging way or anything, but I just mean that like we don't. I feel like in the especially looking over the whole course of CodePen, haven't been the very best at get gathering and making data driven decisions. You know, <laughs> well, especially you know, not in the early days for sure. You know, we there were a lot of areas and corners of the of the product that we just didn't even know what was happening with. Uh, we have a much better view into that now, um, but yeah, we, we don't. You know, I mean, when you when you look into like data tools for a product like ours, it becomes very apparent that we are not gathering all of the data or analyzing all of the data that comes into us, and we have reasons to not bother with a lot of it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, the this the vast array of different types of data that you could be analyzing, could be taking in for a product is is massive. And we've kind of focused on a very, very specific and very narrow channels of the data to serve the purpose of, you know, uh, improving the product and selling more pro subscriptions. We need to know how you're using the app, but there, there is all these data is such a, a vague term, right? So we should dig into like the different types of data we're talking about and, mm-hmm. and all that. In a, in, in, in a very high level way, we kind of don't care. Like uh, mostly what you should have is a question or something you're trying to do. And then wherever that data needs to come from is where that data needs to come from. You know, so hope maybe you already have it. Maybe you don't. Maybe, you know, you know whatever. So if you're if you're thinking of like I was just reading some meeting notes from a meeting I missed because I was out and it was there was some stuff, you know, that was talking about a couple of different features. And then right in the meeting notes, somebody had it looked like probably mid meeting ran some queries to see like what the last million pens were doing with code and a combination of code and features and stuff. And that that's like new school stuff for us to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. have the, a meeting, mid-meeting be informed by some like what's actually happening, what are people actually doing. In that case, that was information that happened to be sitting in our database. So like those are a lot of data sometimes. You already have it because your web app has a database full of data. So if you want to ask a question of that data, you just do it. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. ask, and you, that's somewhat common for us, right? You do that pretty regularly. In fact, you've leveled up your SQL skills a ton. I'm sure you're much, much better at it than I am. I still see that select in all caps, and I'm like, nope, I'm out. You're like, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's funny. You know, I I started my you know beginning of coding was was front end stuff, but the more I do this, the more I realize like I was always meant to be writing queries because this is what I wanted from computers. You know, you ask it a question and it just tells you the answer. <laughs> you just have to phrase the question correctly and it gives you what you need. So, you know, that it's it's very much just like what my dream of computing was. Like, you know, you watch like Star Trek or whatever. And it's like, computer, do this and, you know, tell me this. And it just tells you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. And it just, we're so close to that. But for now, you have to know a little domain specific language, as they call it, to get that. Yeah. To get Although that we're getting there. there. It won't yeah. be long. <laughs> so there's a couple of tools for this. When you have a quick question you want to ask, you ask it of what we have as a read only database, which is kind of cool. I think it's super close to up to date with production, right? Just a few minutes behind. I oh, believe. yeah. It's, it's yeah. practically, practically live. Yeah. Right. So, and that's like behind, you know, a hundred walls. So nobody has access to that, but us, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a backup of sorts too. Right. But there's a reason that you do that because you could, there's no reason you couldn't just query production too, except for that. Sometimes <laughs> these queries that you write. Oh yeah. No, take like 42 <laughs> minutes to run and stuff. Oh, well, it, not anymore. I've got, I've, I've managed to figure out how not to do that, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, you could write a query that could actually slow down people's experience of CodePen. So yeah, so it, so we do this on a read-only, which is practically up to the minute with with Prod. Uh, yeah. But the, but the point is also, you know, just not that I would do this because I'm <laughs> the world's most careful person. But you could like accidentally drop a table or do something, you know, really wrong on the production database. So there's really no reason for me to be in there. There's there's no difference in terms of what I, right, I need. Right, because the production yeah. database is not read-only. That's, a, that's <laughs> no. read and write. <laughs> that's the real right. thing. You yeah. could probably make a user that's read-only and only access the database with that yep. user. I'm sure there's there's techniques yeah, there. Yeah, there, there are ways to do that. And I actually, I do have extremely narrowly limited access to the production database, which I only use in circumstances where, for example, like Alex isn't around and I need to do something. Yeah. Um, then I do actually have that permission, but it is, you know, it's a separate user. It's completely separated from my main right. one, which is the read-only. Uh-huh. So that read-only database is cool. And you know, so you know how to avoid slow qu- queries, but even if you needed to run a slow query, who cares, right? Because it's it, just Right, it doesn't matter. You're yeah. the one user who's connected to this database at any given time, probably. So like you can you can misbehave on it a little bit if you yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I right. could write something long. I could write something that's, you know, a little um, <laughs> not exactly well-formed, you know, and still just let it run. Because, yeah, worst case, it slows me down realistically, yeah, you know, right, right. and that's not so bad. Yeah. Okay. So you have that in, in like tooling wise, you know, we have Max for the most part here and we pop open a tool called Table Plus Table to do plus. that. Table yes. Plus. Is, I, I normally, you know, traditionally I've used it and other ones too, like I forget SQL Pro and some other ones, but Table Plus is just the more you are forced to use that one. It's like, this is clearly the the, the, at rules. least the Mac OS winner. Yeah. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm very, very happy with it. I love that you can uh, save queries. You can like name them and just keep them in in your app so that you can just run the same one over and over and over again. Um, I used to just keep things in Text Expander, but it's actually easier to do it there. Um, so it's it's really just it's like you know, the VS Code of <laughs> of queries of tape. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's. Uh, I think it probably supports multiple database formats, and you just give it some c- c- some credentials to log into it. I often think of it as the thing that you use to deal with your local databases, and certainly it is that. Like for example, I you know do some local WordPress development, and there's like a button in my little app that's like just open this database in Table Plus. Boop, opens it up, nice. you know, and then I can 
Explorer that way, which is very useful to me. But when you connect to a database, it doesn't have to be on your local machine. It doesn't care. Just give it some information and crap. And and thus that read-only, like you don't actually have that read-only database on your computer. It'd be way no too way. big. Yeah, no. This is just in the in the secret cloud somewhere that you connect to and query from there. You can you can pull in all kinds of things. I've I've brought in CSVs and then run SQL queries on a CSV through Table Plus. So it's it's, it's just rules. It's super awesome. Yeah, nice. So there's database queries, but there's, you know, if we ter- totally turn the tables, you might have another kind of question. Like, you know, I just said, oh, there's a meeting and we wanted to see the kind of the code combination of feature usage kind of thing. That stuff's in the DB. But what it's not going to tell you is, well, how many times did people try to do it? Right. How many times did people click on the button in which to access the area where they could do that feature? Did they do it a lot or a little or what, you know? And so you just, that's just not in the database. No. At least that's not in our database. We don't have, we don't have like click data in the database really. Right. No, we don't. And I don't know if that's something that we necessarily would ever need to do because we have other ways of tracking it. Yeah. And there's, so this is, you know, if you've been a long time listening to the podcast, we've explored stuff, you know, there's all kinds of apps in this world of analyzing what people are doing on your app. And there's different, even there's even different like philosophical approaches to it. I remember at one time we, we looked closely at uh, full story, which they call mm-hmm. like a DVR for your web app. And it does this thing where it basically records like this typical setup is every single person <laughs> that uses right. your website. It basically tracks like, so you could literally go into log intervals or and just hit the play button and watch somebody use your app. And it's not recording a video of it. It's recording like a Dom diffing <laughs> version of it. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like rent. It's, you know, whatever I, that that's significant to me because it it's video is interesting, but this means you can like query for a CSS selector. Show me sessions, which people clicked on this CSS selector and you can get it. It's really neat in that way. Um, certainly some weirdness in watching that, you know, this thing right. that people didn't opt into. You really got to think about how, how you can do that kind of ethically and how you morally and whatever. Um, but for example, then, you know what you need to like configure to find out the answers to these questions? Very little, if, if anything at all. Because you just feel like, oh, how many people click this thing? I'll just write a little, it's not SQL, but it's similar. It's like, show mm-hmm. me sessions of people that click this thing and you can get analytics on that. That's different philosophically than a tool that asks you to implement code to answer the question you want to answer. So if your question is how many people click this thing, you basically add a click handler to the damn thing, you know, that says when you click, then send this event to this tool, which basically tosses it in its database. And then you can view data and charts and whatever based on that special code that you track. Now, there's something very explicit about that. I'd say that's the more common type of analysis. You know, there's of all the analytics tools, there's the auto recorders and the, you know, explicit recorders. And I think explicit is a little more common for whatever reason. It's probably easier for everybody. There's just less data. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. auto recording everything, you're probably recording a thousand times more data than you're ever going to look at. 
Whereas the explicit thing, you're recording just exactly what you need. But you also can't go back in time then. That's another right. advantage of the auto recorder is that if you have a question, <laughs> the data is there. You can just ask history for the answer to it. Yeah. Uh, we have not gone there, though. What we have done is used a tool called AppQs, which is maybe somewhere in the middle. I mean, it records, it, you know, it's, it's, it's always recording like some events that people do some of which are automatic, like what pages did they view and things. And, and, but most of it isn't. Most of it is like, you tell us what kind of events you want to record and we'll do that. And they've leveled up their game on this. We did another podcast about this, but a lot of it is click tracking stuff, you know, like did they click this? Okay. Then that's an event. Uh, but they're not always that, you know, they're just arbitrary events. They could, they could happen at any time. You could set a set timeout for 60 seconds and fire the event and said the user was on this page for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like not, <laughs> not the most interesting piece of data, but maybe it is to you. I don't know. It really depends. Yeah. And that's, that's something that is part of like figuring out what you want to do with your data is like, what do you actually need? Because kind of like we're, we're saying here, like there's a billion things that you could be recording but you know for us for example how long someone is sitting on a page almost never matters there's very few circumstances where we would need to know that especially since you know we have an app where people will sit in the pen editor and you know work for hours on one page you know so of course we don't right you know, that's not necessarily useful to us to know, okay, this person sat on this pen for three hours or people sit on pens for three hours. It's just not, it's not useful to us. Yeah, not right now. Not as a team of of our size or whatever. I'm sure this story is very different for like LinkedIn, who has 10,000 developers. I'm sure oh, yeah. like the conversations are a lot different than that. You know, there's a small team and their job in life is to make sure people use LinkedIn longer or something, you know, like that. Those are different stories. It depends on how you're monetized, too. You know, our, our monetization is our subscription. And, you know, people viewing lots of pages or, or doing lots of things, you know, that take time doesn't really drive subscription. So, you know, that, that's, that's one of the things you have to think about when you're planning out looking at your data, especially when you have a small team like ours. You know, you need to make sure that you're not overgathering and then also not overanalyzing or digging into stuff that doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's much more interesting to always think you got to come into it with a question first rather than track the data first kind of thing. That's just my, but that's, that's even that's debatable. So let's not go there quite yet. Yeah. <laughs> it goes into a database somewhere, right? Whether you're using an auto tracker or, or you're doing it yourself or you're using some other analytics tool that asks you to implement it in a certain way. Ultimately, all that data ends up in some kind of database and that it's being queried for in some kind of way. And so if you think about it from that way, you could, I mean, we could use our own database to chuck these events in there. And I think the reason that we don't is that that's a taking on of some technical debt as well as just, you know, just debt period, you know, just mm-hmm. people's time and everything that uh, to make that kind of thing work. And that like our MySQL database isn't like the right place for it. You know, like the, the idea would be to probably to if you're going to roll this yourself is to find the right data store you know, spin it up, you know, really think it through, get everything tracking over there and then find, you know, probably open source charting tools in which to hit that database and build out the charts and stuff. It's a job, you know. 
exactly. and, and yeah. not doing it yourself is, is, is appealing, you know, like just, just pay for it. The problem is, and we bitched about this endlessly, that those freaking software tools are so crazy expensive sometimes that yeah, it, it has compelled yeah. us. It has compelled us in the past <laughs> to be like, maybe we shouldn't do this ourselves. Uh, and then it was nice to, to experience that, to have AppQs kind of help and, and kind of fill the gap for a while for us, knowing that this is the tool that we already use and already pay for. And now we can pretty quickly just add a click tracker to something. There's even a couple of different ways to do it. There's a no-code way to do it, where you just open up the browser extension, point at the element and say, track that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and that's something we've done like literally on the fly during a meeting. We'll be like, let's check this out. And what, you know, before before the sentence is finished, we've already got the tracker in place. You know, it's ready to rock immediately. And so, you know, when we're looking at like how often are people checking out this part of the site or how often are people getting, you know, for example, one thing we tracked recently was how often did people get to the support form through the different links that we have on the site. And we were able to immediately set that up and start recording stuff literally within seconds because it was so easy to do. So, you know, having that capability for someone who's not on, you know, the front end development team to just throw something in. Like I don't, I don't touch the front end anymore. And I was still able to add these trackers and just have them in there right away. And if we were a larger team with, you know, a, a bigger, you know, marketing group or, or a bigger data group, who's not part of the front end, we wouldn't have to be, you know, pushing stuff, to production, we would just be adding these things in this way. So it's it's super awesome for that. This episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by Clubhouse. That's clubhouse.io, the coolest TLD out there. Have you ever been really happy with your project management tool? Most are either too simple for a growing engineering team to manage everything or too complex for anyone to want to use without constant prodding. Clubhouse is different, though, because it's worse. Wait, uh, no, I mean better. It's better. (laughs) Clubhouse is a project management built specifically for software teams, and it's fast, intuitive, flexible, powerful, and many other nice, positive adjectives. Let's look at some of the highlights. Team-based workflows, so individual teams can use Clubhouse's default workflows or customize them to match the way that they work org wide goals and roadmaps these uh, the work in these workflows is automatically tied to a larger company goal so it takes one click to move uh, from a roadmap to a team's work to individual updates vice versa tight VCS integration so whether you use GitHub or GitLab or Bitbucket Clubhouse ties directly to them so you can update progress from the command line. There's a keyboard-friendly interface, so the rest of Clubhouse is just as keyboard-friendly with their power bar, allowing you to do virtually anything without even touching your mouse. Throw that thing in the trash. Iterations planning, set weekly priorities, and then let Clubhouse run the schedule for you with accompanying burndown charts and other reporting. Give it a try at clubhouse.io slash codepen. Again, that's clubhouse.io slash codepen. Clubhouse, because you shouldn't have to project manage your project management. (laughs) 
Yeah, okay. So we talked about our database and what data is there and asking questions of it when you can. Pretty nice because, of course, that historically goes back to the beginning of time. So there's lots of stuff in there, a lot of uh, things to analyze and get. And then kind of like app usage data is generally separate, you know, mm-hmm. you need somewhere else to look for that kind of data. Then there's usage stuff that... Um, I don't know, like kind of like basically think of Google Analytics data. Only guess what? We can't use Google Analytics for various We're reasons. Too big. Too yeah, big and too people want to turn it off and there's it's all kinds of stuff with that. Um, fine. We do have Cloudflare in front of our site, kind of proudly really, because they've saved our butts so many times in the past and, sure and help at keeping us online. With, you know, they have great tools and, you know, but one of the things that is in there is some analytics information, too, that just kind of comes along for the ride, really, because all your traffic is going through their stuff anyway. They make that available. That's pretty valuable. Uh, so you can look at it's. T- I would, you know, argue that it's not nearly as robust of a of an informational tool as something like Google Analytics is. It's kind of limited in scope and, you know, whatever. There's just a few charts you can look at. It's yeah, not- I agree that it's limited in scope, but I feel like it's scope down to what we need like we don't need to know a ton about visitors in terms of like you know where where specifically they are in the world things like that you know we we want to see page views those are useful to our advertisers for example Mm -hmm. um you know and and so that's useful to have um but the very broad strokes that we get from cloudflare are about all we need you know we're not we're not doing like targeted advertising or anything like that so you know just right. being able to see. But it would be nice to go back, like, what, could I see year over year at the page views? It's like, no. No, yeah, it's like a pretty short, uh, it's a pretty short period of time that you can view, uh, at least through the UI. I don't know if there's expanded options elsewhere, but. Right, and I would guess, because they're tracking the data anyway, that, that they would sell it to you, probably, if you oh, probably, asked, you know? yeah. But yeah, it, it hasn't become, it hasn't become useful to us, really. You know, we. No, not yet. We really just you know, need the general numbers and, and just it's, it's bare bones in terms of analytics, but it's not really what the product's for. It's nice to just have it as a, as an additional thing. So we'll see. So there's some data there, but think of the questions again, that somebody might ask, you know, that you might ask each other during a meeting, you know, like, like a a legit question be like, okay, well, we're talking about this feature. Are people having trouble with this feature? Now Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a totally different question. That's not, you can't ask the database, and you also can't ask your your click your app usage data all that much either, because that's not really painting a picture of whether people are going to have trouble. Now, there's some things like, you know, I remember we. I mean, we don't use this tool, but I remember it being a kind of a funny feature of Full Story. They have this thing called rage clicking. So if people they go click 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 on their mouse, like chances are they're not in a good mood about it. You know, so right, that could yeah. tell you that they're. Um, that's somebody who's not happy and you could look at that session. That's not the real answer though. For us, it's like, <laughs> Can you imagine if we ran that, we got people clicking things. Like we get that, that really popular pen, the space bar. Oh <laughs> yeah. Right. But those events mercifully happen in the context of the iframe. Not that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that is funny though. We have that. That's a, that's funny. The, the, the how fast can you press the space bar one? Yeah, that thing went viral on TikTok. And <laughs> could you imagine the click data we get then? <laughs> the more interesting would be like, well, then look at your support tools and yep. basically query those for 
mentions of that feature and stuff like that. So like that's another data source that's useful for answering questions for you. Definitely. Team. Yeah. And we use we use Front for our support tickets and I I love Front. It saves me a ton of time and makes us a whole lot easier than it would be if we were just trying to do this out of Gmail like we did in the early days. Um and what's also great about Front is that they have statistics that show support volume over time, uh, response time over time. So we, you know, we've been really tracking that this year and making sure that we're getting answers out quickly and and seeing, you know, what's happening to support volume as we improve and as we fix bugs. Um, uh, one thing that we do um, is that we try to tag things to, you know, clarify like what the issue was about, so that we can kind of look back over time and see, okay, like this problem has been solved. We're not getting tickets like this anymore, um, but also just to kind of gather things together so that we have a good picture of what people are talking to us about. Because when you're looking at support tickets, those are written by individuals. And so they're not just loaded up with keywords. You know, you kind of have to translate it a bit to categorize it into a, a specific like tag. So, you know, if someone writes in about a problem with a specific feature, you put the tag on it and then mm. we know, okay, yep. this is related to this. So that's very helpful. Um, and we're using it more. We're, we're trying to get a little bit more fine-tuned in tagging things so that we have a better picture of what's happening, especially because uh, Front is doing a better job now. They, they came out with a brand new analytics uh, version and they're doing a much better job of like visually displaying changes in those tags over time. So when I do the monthly report, it's like you can see which tags have come to the top, which tags are going to the bottom. So it's super helpful from that respect. Nice. Yeah. So that's a that's a data source. Absolutely. You know, especially for just making sure you got what you need to answer mm-hmm. questions, you know. Part of this <clears throat> I thought of um, today because, you know, I had a thing on my list to do. We have basically an advertiser saying, how'd we do last month? Now we're, you know, over two weeks into the new month. So we're talking as we record here, all of July, even though we're halfway through August, that's how'd we do is a pretty vague question, right? But think of all the different ways that you can answer that question and how many different data sources they need to come from. One of them could be just like, you know, this is an ad. So like how many people clicked on the ad? Well, in that case, there was a click tracker everywhere we used the ad. And in this case, it couldn't be like JavaScript powered or whatever, because the ads go out in emails and stuff too, and you kind of want to track it all together. So it was a, you know, a special URL and the URL tracks the links. So that's a surely an extremely important metric to them, you know, because if they get eight clicks, that's not good, you know, they Mm -hmm. they want to see clicks, but it's not the only kind of engagement because there's also like how many people are just kind of seeing it. That's kind of valid too, because that's a different way of paying for ads in a way. So those uh, like cost per view or cost per page view instead of cost per click or whatever, they're both kind of valid ways of doing advertising. Uh, How do we look that up? Well, we have, we can kind of see in Cloudflare, but hence the, you know, the bummer that you ability that you can't go back as far as you might like. Um, so we were able to dig up that kind of data, but there's also database data that's relevant here too, because of the tagging that happens on pens. Uh, you can, you know, Marie's got dashboards you've built to kind of help explain engagement on a week to week and month to month level for 
Right. For the challenges. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that we uh, have in Redash. I've I've built queries in Redash, which is great because they're they're automatically visualized. You just choose a visualization option for it. And also it helps us with monitoring because we can, you know, see things are are flopping or doing well or whatever. The challenge has been doing super well this year, which is awesome. But um, but yeah, we could see, you know, okay, this one's a stinker and we know it right away. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, so that's similar to Table Plus in a way. I don't know what exactly all the overlap is. I know, you know, Table Plus isn't exactly doing visualization. It doesn't. For you. Yeah. Realistically, the, the overlap is that they both use SQL. Um, and you can just move, you know, I'll write a query in table plus and just see the results. And then I move it over to Redash so that I can share it with the team. Uh, and so that I can also visualize it. Also what Redash will do for us, is it will automatically run them on a schedule that we select. I have some queries that are running every hour. I have some queries that run once a month, but they just run themselves. So I'm not in there having to refresh them all the time. They just, you know, I come in and I see the latest refresh. And then if I want to refresh it on the fly, I can, but otherwise it's just taking care of itself. Right. Yeah, so those are cool because the you know the, it's a web app, so the team has access to being able to look at stuff. So if the te- if you ever have a question that can be answered with the kind of data that Redis has, actually, pretty much just our own database, which was, mm-hmm. would be kind of cool to give it multiple sources someday. But that's another thing to think about. That 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 dashboard then is basically there forever. You know, if you have that if you have that question once, you can just pop into that dashboard and refresh yourself on that interesting data anytime, which is yeah, pretty neat. Uh, pretty neat. It's great. Yeah. And that's another one that we refer to it during meetings all the time. Like we'll just pull open one of the dashboards and there's the answer to whatever we're asking ourselves. So it's, it's right. extremely useful to have that right at hand. We used to, you know, before we had these things, we would just be like, okay, basically like open a ticket for somebody to look for for this. And then when they get around to it, there it is. Now we just have these things continuously available to us and it makes decision-making a lot faster. It makes our meetings a lot more productive. So it's, it's super useful. So if you're trying to figure out how many people, you know, you're trying to answer the question, how do we do in challenges on one particular month? You can ask our database that one way is to be like, how many people are subscribed to get that email? Because we send out an email every week. There's four emails that week. Like, how many people got it? We can basically answer that question up to the minute because we can just, in our case, we can ask our own database, how many people are subscribed? And it will literally mm. just tell us. Not historically, though, because it's just, it just that's a true or false, you know? Are you subscribed or not? It doesn't say, were you subscribed in March 2016 or not? That's not there, but we could. We but we do have tools for that because we can. Our own our email sending tools have analytics too, which is yet another data source of information. Yeah. We can go <laughs> look at charts there and be like, how many people actually sent it, opened it, blah 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 blah, at an, any point in history. You know, but usually you only need that data for a couple months. You know, nobody's asking about 2016. Nobody cares. But in recent history, you can get that data pretty easily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Older data is not particularly useful in in this type of thing. Like, but you want to know like the last year, or and it's nice to be able to compare year over year. Like, okay, we had this this much activity this year. We have this much this year. You know, just to show improvement and things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, this is the subscription to the to our newsletters is a user setting. So you know, that's what we have in the database is just 
the present moment of the setting. You know, we don't have a history on that. Yep. But isn't that cool? You know, like that, I think that's relevant to this whole conversation is the question is like, tell me about this aspect of your app, this campaign that you ran or this feature or this, the way that you answer those questions comes from all sorts of places, necessarily so, because it's just the way the world works and in software development, really. But for in this case of this challenges thing, we're running DB queries. We're looking at our Cloudflare information. We're looking at AppQ's information. We're looking at, uh, you know, email sending provider information. We're compiling all these sources and then then we have the answer. Then you can tell people, yep. look at all these numbers. That doesn't even talk about like special tracking we do for podcast stuff. And, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. no wonder that this analytics stuff is so, such a big industry in a way because it's just, it t- there's just yeah. a million ways to, to track data and all of it's useful to certain people. It's useful for us. It's useful for um, that, you know, in, in our case, because we do advertising advertisers, but it's also, we have middlemen in charge there. You know, we work with buy, sell ads a lot. That information is useful to them. It's mm-hmm. useful to just from a business perspective of just any, anything that can happen with your business, you better have some numbers to support it. You know, future planning reasons, you know, it's, it's nice. So this is a ever evolving world, all this data gathering and, uh, data analysis. And of course the one thing the, the truth about it is that it all comes down to Excel eventually. <laughs> you got to bring it all in to Excel or numbers for Mac if you like it, which actually I, I like numbers for Mac a lot. I use that one. That one's great for, for smaller scale or kind of back of the napkin type of stuff, you know, but Excel, you really need that bad boy <laughs> for a lot of things. Uh, but, you know, you bring it into Excel and do your analysis when you have all kinds of different sources of things and you you know brought them down to a Excelable format. And then, you know, another thing that I use for visualizing is Airtable. Um, on Tuesday, you'll be seeing my Airtable. <laughs> yeah. Again, <that, laughs> you know, Airtable's you know. online and shareable, whereas Excel's not yep. really, right? So, I mean, I guess you use uh, Google uh, spreadsheets or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, Airtable and Airtable has these built in apps that make it super easy to visualize. It's kind of the bridge between uh, Excel and Redash. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, Airtable, I can't. I could do a whole show on how great Airtable is, but we we don't have time for that. <laughs> but uh, but it is um, that's something that I use all the time for for visualizing things to share with the team. You know, once I've kind of broken it, broken something down into useful information, I've, I've winnowed away all the stuff that's not actually useful to the report. All of that goes into Airtable. You know, it's totally anonymized and it's just ready to be visualized. So. Um, it's another tool in the toolbox. So many tools in the toolbox. So many tools in the toolbox. But yeah, it's it's a big, big world, and we, you know, we we've we're doing better than we used to, but we've got we've got a lot of things to learn and a lot of things to build in the future. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Because I'm no longer I no, I'm no longer like scared of it or worried about it or like feel like we're just not doing really important things that ultimately I feel embarrassed about at least are like over that hump. Like I'm happy to do this podcast yeah. now because now I can talk about it in a way that doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel, doesn't feel em- embarrassing in a way like, you know, we have the tools. So as CodePen evolves now, we can plop the new tools in. I would say like the final boss battle is, is kind of that like DIY thing. 
you know, taking some of these data sources that aren't ours, and even if we continue to use them for ease of use or something, to kind of like then get the data on our side too, because then it means stuff like being able to build like those redash dashboards with multiple data sources and just like right. having the data basically forever instead of like being subject to the, you know, some other company's terms, like we only do two years or whatever, that it, yeah. that would be cool. But again, we have to be smart about where we spend our time and stuff. Literally nobody pays you to, you know, to track analytics data. It's only useful for informing yourselves. Uh, so well, gotta be a little careful with the time, but I have a sneaking suspicion we'll get there eventually because that's the kind of nerdy stuff we do around here sometimes. Yeah, and realistically, there are tools for that. So it's like you can you can pay for someone else's expertise in that field and still own the data and still have it all in your own place. It's just that you're using a tool that someone else built. So, you know, there there are ways to do this without a ton of you know, our own technical work and our own technical debt. So yeah, we're getting there. We're, I think we're getting there very soon, actually. So it's an exciting time to be using spreadsheets <laughs> in SQL. All right. Thanks, Marie. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Seven, six, zero, three, one, eight.